Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello everyone, my name is Akoi Swaving and I'd like to continue with you through the first five psalms. Today we'll be looking at Psalm 3. It's a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes! How many rise up against me! Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. I lie down and sleep. Awake again, because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord. Deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. The past two weeks, we've looked at the first two psalms. First, a psalm about blessing in Christ and perishing outside of him and then a psalm about God's power and authority over every other authority on earth. Today we have the first psalm of lament, a psalm that David was inspired by the Spirit to write when he was on the run, cast out from the city by a rebellious son leading a coup on his throne. But despite the unpleasant circumstances of this psalm, it is the word of God. It's given for our benefit. It's a word that is timeless relates to us in our own struggles and sorrows. For all the joy that can be found in simple moments of our lives, we could so easily lose them in the sea of suffering that is human life. So in our moments of joy, we remain grounded in why we have a lasting joy. That whenever we face confrontation or feel overwhelmed by opposition, we may turn to God's word and know of what we have in God the peace and rest we may enjoy as his children, and the good news of salvation that we may bring to sinners from every background. The opening words of this psalm highlight the dire situation David was in. He's surrounded by enemies. There are a great horde of people that have risen to oppress him. He's not just describing an enemy that he might face on the field of battle, but more specifically those that would oppress him. They would press in on him. The impression is that he's being crushed, pressed in on every side, worried about being overwhelmed by it all. There are times where we feel like we can't catch a break. We might ask, where is the God of Psalm 1? Where is the God of Psalm 2? Where is the Lord who has set his king on Zion? Where is the Lord God who laughs at the enemy? Now many are even willing to blaspheme and say that God won't provide salvation. It's an open taunt of no salvation in God for the soul. It can seem as though the world around us is changing. It's transforming into an unfamiliar place, giving rights and freedoms that ought not to be, while withholding rights from others like the preborn. It seems as though there is intense opposition to the word. But for all the sense of crashing, for the opposition that can be experienced, how things appear, how things seem, It does not line up with reality, with how things are. Notice how the oppressor talks in verse 2, how he does not say the name of God, 
There's no salvation for him in God. They cannot say the covenant name of the Lord. They do not fully understand what they are talking about. If his enemies did know the name of the Lord, if they did know the power and the authority of the living and eternal Lord God, they would not rise up. The reality that David was portraying in his sense of despair was not a true reality, but one that his enemies were pushing. They had an agenda. They wanted him to feel overwhelmed, to not acknowledge his God, his power. But this covenant child, despite the overwhelming situation he was in, did not give in to despair. For however dire his situation appeared, he knew that he could call upon the Lord. Right from the very start of the psalm, he names the one his enemies would not. He calls out, O Lord, for how things appear is not how things are. This psalm does not end with David being overwhelmed by his enemies, but it carries on into the reality of the Lord. And so David confesses that the Lord is his shield, his glory, the one who lifts up his head. He counters the false assumption of the unbeliever with the truth. David knows the circumstances of his enemies pressing in on every side, but he does not succumb to a fear of the enemy because he knows that God is sovereign. He knows that God is in control. He knows that the Lord is in control, that he is the one who is acting in this world. Therefore, he does not set himself against the foe, but calls upon the Lord to act. He appeals to God to arise, to save him. Arise, O Lord, save my life, O my God. This is the plea for deliverance we could expect after the first two verses. This is what we expect from the man who needs help from the Almighty One, the one God who is able to save, the one who is his shield. And it's important for us to recognize that the great insults of verse 1 and verse 2, they're primarily not against us or against David, but against the Lord God. When they taunt and say there's no salvation for him in God, they are insulting the Lord himself. And so the wrath to be incurred, it's not David's wrath, but the Lord's wrath. He himself left the city of Jerusalem, fleeing for his life from his son. Part of the reason David fled the city was because the city would be put to the sword if he did not. He himself left with his officials, and Absalom spared the city. David waited on the Lord before battle would take place. We know that when our Savior, Christ Jesus, returns at his time, as we await him, he will put to shame all of his enemies. We know that in the last judgment, those that do not believe in him will perish, that his people will receive a crown of glory. We know that his victory is guaranteed and that he waits that day so that he can call his people out of darkness and into his light. In both the Old and New Testament, God reminds his people that vengeance is his that justice is his in his time. Both in his law in Deuteronomy and in Paul's letter to the Romans, the Lord reminds us that he will have vengeance for injustice against his name. And so we, like David, may call on him to act in justice. But what about ourselves? 
how are we to act? In our knowledge of how God will bring judgment to those who reject him, we need to come with grace and with care for our neighbors. For we cannot know who God has called to follow him and who he leaves in darkness. We can only know that we ourselves are recipients of undeserved grace and that we're called to bring the message of a Lord God who is a shield, one who gives glory, one who gives dignity to his people. And our desire for the justice of God, for his vengeance, is from that perspective. O Lord, may you be a shield to me, to your people, to those you call your children. And also, Lord, may you show your power and glory in how you will respond to this world's affront to your holy name. But may that vengeance be the Lord's and not our own. May we never stand in the way of the gospel. Let us stand as a witness to the world of the beautiful reality we live in, one that is grounded in Christ, one that knows we are protected for eternity, one that knows glory and honor await when the earth is made new. For salvation belongs to the Lord. His blessing is on his people. Thank you all for listening and may you have a blessed day.